Okay, I am at Etsy Security Conference and I'm very pleased to be with Silke Holtmans uh, from PwC to talk about her talk on 5G security compliance, the impacts and opportunities for cloud providers, private networks and mobile operators. So thank you so much Silke for joining me today and taking the time for this. Um, just to start with, could you please introduce yourself a little and your background in security? My name is Silke Holtmans. Uh, I'm with PwC PricewaterhouseCoopers now since beginning of the year. I have a career in telecommunication security basically since 2000. So mm -hmm. I've been involved in standardization like 3GPP, GSMA, even web forums, some might remember that one. <laughs> so, but always in security and I've been doing security for the whole space. So it's really starting from the phones deep inside, uh, secure modules, SIM cards on application payments and air security then moving into the core network mm -hmm. and then the latest thing was interconnection security so that's between the operators and that there are also threat hunting, threat intelligence sharing and also nation state attacks which happened there. So and I believe it's very important to learn constantly mm -hmm. and since um, 5G is so good because it uses the cloud and virtualization. I also started learning quite a lot about cloud. So I did mm -hmm. actually two um, IT-specific security certifications, really the CSSP and the corresponding cloud certification. So and I'm a member of the advisory group for ENISA, and mm -hmm. I've been also quite some time in the GSMA panel of experts. So. Oh, and I presented at also hacking conferences like uh -huh. DEF CON and Black Hat <laughs> yeah. and these kind of things. So I, I, I try to change mm -hmm. my point of view every couple of years. And now I'm sort of into compliance, which mm -hmm. brings me to this talk here. So. Yes, great. Thank you. Fantastic. Um, and as you were saying, in recent years, we've seen 5G mobile networks being rolled out all around the world, um, seeing industries picking up 5G for various use, use cases, purposes. Um, why is 5G security compliance in, uh, to you so essential for cybersecurity, especially at the moment? I mean, if you look around, how many things are nowadays done using the mobile network? If mm -hmm. you think you go, you buy your coffee and you pay with your card, sort of how is the card reader actually connecting? Is it using a mobile network? If you fuel your car, it's using a mobile network. So we rely very heavily on one way or another as a society on mobile networks. Mm -hmm. So governments now consider 5G as a critical infrastructure. And if you see the, all the kind of use cases, factories, so it might be the factory that produces your daily milk, for example, mm -hmm. or the electricity company might use it. So it really affects not only the communication, but also the, the entities, which might be critical, water, electricity, whatever, that, that are for our, our everyday life important. So, Governments want to make sure that this is really safe. And yeah, that's why compliance comes in. Of course, regulators, they regulate. That's their job. So, yeah. so and then they want to make sure that uh, those regulations are followed, which brings in a lot of aspects. Because before, regulation for telecommunication was mostly around frequency and mm -hmm. safety. And well, if there was an outage, the operator had to report. But the regulators were not really going so deep into sort of, hey, what are you doing there? And why are mm -hmm. you doing there? And well, how have you secured it? And this is now changing. So. Okay. 
Um, and how different, uh, difficult sorry, is it uh, to enforce some of this compliance? It's uh, very, very difficult because if you think about it, now 5G, as we said, it uses cloud. We have a completely different ecosystem in 5G because all the old stuff, it was more or less pretty telecommunication specific. They had their own protocols. They even had in 2G their own stack. So not the classical I ISO Aussie, uh, this classical IT stack. So now it's a lot of IT technology we see there. We see JSON, we see HTTP2 and so on. So we see all the stuff that we know from the internet. If you mm -hmm. go shopping to Amazon, yeah. you use the same protocols as we now have in the 5G network. And it's also heavily relies on cloud and virtualization. So, and in terms of enforcement of compliance, so now you have something, let's say, the, the regulator says access to the critical infrastructure has to be secured. Mm -hmm. Okay, what does it actually mean in really detailed terms? Access to the antenna, access to the cloud infrastructure, access to the back-end server. Mm -hmm. So, and there is an antenna company which takes care of the antenna. There's a, pub, there's a cloud provider, there's the operator... There's a vendor who might mm -hmm. run this as managed service. Okay, who is responsible for which access control? Yeah. So, so there are a lot of um, regulations, often very high level and goal-oriented, while you have the technology which has, oh, we have at least five ecosystem partners here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, and who is responsible for what? So, and that's not necessarily straightforward because we really need to look into the business models, mm -hmm. Who is doing what? What is the contract? What is the service model of the cloud provider? Is it infrastructure as a service, or do they offer the whole thing as a as a platform as a service? I think so. It's it's very tricky to translate these these regulations into real technical things, and that's yeah. that's basically what I'm doing right now. Sort of trying to build the bridge between these kind of not exactly abstract requirements, but a bit of goal-oriented requirements into real technical things and yeah okay so is that how we can improve this as well yeah basically yeah we need to really map the things into uh, detail but there is a hook on it in the moment because we saw for example this morning that there's the eu regulation but then on the other hand we see that each member state in the eu mm -hmm. has a sort of slightly different interpretation of things yeah so which screws up basically a bit this idea of having this common market and so on because if you now certify something in one country as a vendor, can you use the same thing in another country? Or do you have to do the same stuff again because they just yeah. don't accept that from the neighboring country? And that, of course, makes things expensive, which in the end you and I have to pay as consumers. Mm -hmm. So this is something where we definitely need more work and more focus, focus on that the requirements inside Europe and best with the world are sort of a bit more harmonized because in the moment it's it's not really that much. I mean, we saw the Cyber Resilience Act that's coming mm -hmm. up. Then we have this NIS2 directive for critical services like water, electricity and cars. So they all have the same problems. There, there are these sort of EU and then there are member states. And the yeah. member states might have a very different view, different views mm -hmm. on, on how this practically look like and and we need some sort of common understanding. What what does it mean in technical mm -hmm. terms? And 
the understanding should be as far as possible equal. So, oh, okay. So it, it's okay if some have a, some countries have a little bit extra because they they have I don't know some want more supplier choice. The other one have an, mm-hmm. like Finland has a sort of big neighbor which is a little bit worrisome. So, well, a bit add on is okay, but not really diverging. So okay, but the fundamentals. You yeah, exactly. Be. That you say sort of ninety percent is the same, and okay, ten percent you have to do extra for each country. I think that's probably something people have to live with, but. Yeah. If we would get to these ninety percent, that would be already great. Yeah, and yeah. I think for common criteria, to some degree, works. So, 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 and I think for the rest, we also need to get there. Okay, fantastic. Thank you. And we're kind of coming to the end of time, but I have a couple more questions. Um, as we are at Etsy um, Security Conference, how important are standards and standardization um, for compliance and things like this? Essential, absolutely essential. And I was just discussing, for example, because also. Uh, standards are not, of course, there's a little bit of politics always going, but they are generally not uh, government driven, mm-hmm. which increases their acceptance all over the world. So if you have a standard which is just, or if you have a set of um, things which is just driven by one government, then it always has the color of this government. And there are tensions in the world. So another government, hey, that government is doing, it's sponsored by them. No, 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 we don't take that. Mm-hmm. So, and if you have something like Etsy, it's a sort of neutral place, which means that all countries and governments can accept it without, without sort of being, having internal trouble, sort of. Mm-hmm. Because there are these tensions and we have just to recognize them and accept them and they will not go away. So, and that helps that the telecommunication infrastructure can be secure all over the world, not just everybody sort of doing its own little thing. So, yeah. and therefore, I believe this kind of Etsy world standardization is really critical in my mm-hmm. book. So, which goes back to what we were saying earlier about compliance and yes, the differences exactly. between countries. Exactly. Sort of. I mean, without standards, we wouldn't see telco networks like they are today. I mean, yeah. that's that's just as plain. So. Okay, thank you. Um, and we're definitely coming to the end of our time now, but um, I just wanted to end it um, by asking you about kind of promoting women in cybersecurity because we do see a lack of representation at the moment, especially in jobs in the industry. Yeah, uh, yeah, there are. I think actually women should be sort of a bit more, hey, let's try that. That mm-hmm. could be fun. Um, in the end, there's very little to lose, just yeah. simply. And you can come to telecommunication security from many angles. You can come really from a technical angle. You can do mathematical things, for example, denial of service attacks, prevention. There's a lot of machine learning and mathematics behind that. If you are having, let's say, more... um, I mean, nowadays, I work basically in a company that's mainly known for accounting. So um, I'm a mathematician by background. So put that together. So... I think there are a lot of ways into telecommunication security. It's a very diverse but unknown field. And it's fun, actually. I have a mm-hmm. lot of nice colleagues. And to be fair, I mean, the payment is also much better than many <laughs> other jobs. I mean, okay. uh, I mean, many women's jobs where women are, they are very often underpaid. Mm-hmm. That's also a fact of life, sad as it is. So, um, But I really would like to encourage people to give it a try. Even if you think you might not hitting the mark, 
knowledge can be learned. Mm-hmm. If you have the right attitude, the knowledge you can gain, there's yeah. enough information. And if anybody wants to look in a specific topic, I'm also free that somebody sends me an email, hey, I want to know about that one, can you send yeah. me a primer? I'm absolutely sure I have the right material for okay. that person. So. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, great. Well, thank you so much Sophie, for joining me and I hope you have a great rest of your week at the yeah. conference. Thanks a lot. It's a really lovely conference.